Good morning, church. Buenos dias, mis hermanos y hermanas. Siempre es bueno verte. Es verdad. It's always good to see you. Everyone knows pretty much that um, Debbie and I, I mentioned her too, spent 30 years active duty in the military, 12 years overseas, and the rest stateside. She was, we were together most of the time. There were a few occasions when I had to be away. And one of the things that I remember from the GIs, when they saw me coming, they would say things like, Chaplain, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him what you'll be doing tomorrow. And Patterson is in Cincinnati, and Stan, who was scheduled to preach, is ill. So the Spirit nudged me through Andrew, and trust me, I learned a long time ago that you just don't say no to the Spirit, regardless of the circumstances. How many... um, and I know not all, not, not all of us, but and you don't have to raise your hand, but if, for, for those of you who were um, here at the church building Wednesday night, last Wednesday when Brother Walt shared a message downstairs, um, and I told Walt later, I said, that was such for me, such a great reminder. Because what he did during the course of that message was talk about how in the world can we as God's people be supernatural. I mean, we are, you know, I have feet of clay, you've got feet of clay. We're so very, very human, and we make so many mistakes, and we're filled with anxieties and worries and troubles and problems, and we read about these great stories in Scripture of miracles happening, and we walk away saying, man, it must have been great to to be Peter or John or James, or one of the great prophets of old. But my brother, our brother, reminded me that the super was never left to Paul or Peter or any of the prophets. The super's always been God, and the natural has been us. We're going to tie this in in a moment, I hope. I thought about it 30 minutes ago, so this is really going to be good. Actually, you know, it's the spirit that convicts the hearts of every person. You know, we have our role to play, we have our part, but after we're through, if anyone is touched by God, it's always by God, and not by any pulpiteer or video or anything else. At any rate, One of the texts that he used that we're not going to go into right now, but I will allude to it because it will explain the text from Philippians that I thought we would look at briefly, was in 2 Chronicles 7.14. It's a good example of what he was making reference to, and it's a good reminder for all of us that we all have a covenant. We are in a covenant relationship with God. Not, Not for salvation. There really isn't anything that we can do other than accept his presence through faith, repent of our sins, confess, be buried with him, arise to walk a new life. All of those are God's doing. And by his grace and mercy, he has said, now you're saved. 
And from this point on, I want you to grow with me. It's the fellowship that's the covenant relationship. The fellowship that says, if you do this, then I will do this. And that was Walt's message Wednesday. If my people who are called by my name will pray and humble themselves and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. The, the operative word in that verse is not the beautiful covenant relationship of us praying with humility and God forgiving our sins and healing our land. The operative word is the word if. If my people who are called by my name will do this, then I will heal their land. I will do whatever. So I was thinking of one of my favorite texts in uh, Philippians 4. I use it all the time. I mean, for me, I don't walk around sharing it with others, but it gets me through the day. That and a host of other reminders from Scripture. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking with Patterson, and he had alluded to suffering and, and so forth, and, and, and I told him, I said, Brother, um, that was wonderful. And the fact is, if you preach on suffering, you'll never lack for a congregation. If you preach on suffering and worries and anxieties and troubles and pains, you will never lack for people wanting to hear the Lord through you. And the reason is because from the moment we're born and, you know, within, you know, first few years and then by our entire life, the older we get, the more we realize this, that we all have troubles and pains and sorrows and worries. The bulk of my prayers are intercessory. I want to have like praises, and I really do, just like you, whenever you pray daily, well, thank you, thank you, thank you. But in the end, however long I pray, the vast majority of it is help. Please help. I had a good friend of mine uh, somewhere here in, in, in Nashville, actually a country music songwriter, and he said, my prayer is really simple. I could see him writing this in a song. He's in the Hall of Fame, by the way, down, downtown. My, my prayer is, dear Lord, help me, help me, help me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Amen. And really, that's the, that's the crux of it. So one of my favorite texts is Philippians chapter 4, and verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, where the apostle is writing the church at Philippi, and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And then he explains how they can rejoice always. The Lord is at hand. And then he adds, have no anxieties about anything. But with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving in your hearts, let your requests be made known before God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Thought about that on Wednesday night. I don't think Walt referred to it. He had many other great passages. And I thought about that this morning after a phone call. You know. Here's, here's the fellow, here's the covenant. 
The goal is for Brother Witt and everyone here, the goal is for the body of Christ to have no anxiety about anything. Now, whoa, excuse me. How in the world is that possible? Have no anxiety about anything. That's the goal. And then Paul adds, but in everything, let your requests be made known through prayers and supplication with thanksgiving in your heart. Well, I can do that. So far, I can't reach my goal, but I can certainly do that. I can let my requests be made known in prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. That I can do. The goal, that's the natural. The goal can only be reached in that latter phrase. Right, I'm going to go through the whole thing so you won't miss the context. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving in your heart, let your requests be made known before God. Here it is, the super. And the peace of God will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the goal, no anxiety. The formula, pray. By the way, the word supplication just means humility. Paul says, pray with humility. I'm teaching a class on Sunday morning on Proverbs 3. I think I've got it marked here. I'll squint. Trust in the Lord. No, I won't. Thought I had it memorized. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. And we've been talking about how in the world can we grow our faith? Can we trust in the Lord? Well, he says it right here. Number one, do not depend upon yourself. And number two, depend upon God. And that's how you do it. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is telling us in Philippians. All right, so very quickly, let's look at these. By the way, when you're asked to preach early... Um, you know, the old adage, it really is true, that story. There's no kidding. If you really, if, you know, if you want a 10-minute lesson, give me a week. But if you want 40, then ask me right now, and I can do it. <laughs> Have no anxiety in prayer and supplication. All right. Prayer, church, as a reminder, these are all reminders of maybe out of 500 there may be one or two or three who haven't heard this and if that's the case then give God the glory and let the Spirit of God convict them as well of all as well as all of us um, we all understand that prayer is our lifeline you sever prayer you die I teach a course um, in spiritual disciplines and 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 one of the 12 disciplines that we talk about um, in fact if you want a good book to read look at Richard Foster's uh, celebration of of Celebration of disciplines, that's not the, the text I use, but um, it says the same thing. But prayer is a discipline. Very quickly, the story, and I just read it yesterday. The, the, the story is told of a, and I've done this, by the way, I, well, although I was 12 when I first picked up a musical instrument. But the story is told of this six-year-old, and I'll use the piano. The actual story was on the guitar, but the piano makes more sense for the illustration. This little six-year-old was forced to take piano lessons. He was forced to by his mom and dad. And it was drudgery. Discipline without direction 
You can write, you can quote, discipline without direction is drudgery. Drudgery. You can be disciplined without any concept of where you're headed, and it's like, what am I doing this for? It's trying to, you know, share with the seventh grader why algebra is important. You know, disciplining without directions, drudgery. So this little six-year-old boy on the piano, and all of his buddies were out playing baseball. And finally, you know, one evening in his sleep, an angel of the Lord took the little boy and said, I want to I take you to Carnegie Hall. And he went to Carnegie Hall, this little six-year-old boy, and there was this incredible pianist on the stage playing. And the little boy was totally overwhelmed. Just, wow. Even the classical stuff he liked. Because the, the man who's sitting on the bench was just perfect, right? And he enjoyed the entire concert. Well, the angel said, that's you. Several years from now, you'll be on the stage at Carnegie Hall playing that. And the little boy woke up and began to practice could care less about the baseballers, right? Why? He had direction. He saw the end result. And I'm telling you, church, the more we understand the end, the less anxiety we'll have in the present. And I, I really believe that the older we get, you know, I know gray hair doesn't always connote gray matter, but the older we get should explain to us it should be all the more reason to have no anxiety, but with prayer and supplication, let your request be, you know, be made known before God. Prayer is critical. It's absolutely essential. But not just any prayer. You don't pray for new golf clubs or a new Mercedes. You pray with a humble heart. And the prayer needs to be for others, intercessory and praise in thanksgiving. You can pray for yourself if, if, if you're the provider for the family and the family needs provision, then you could pray, Lord, I need your help. Jesus told us to pray that way, by the way. It's another whole series of sermons, if you will, but the beautiful Lord's Prayer. Whether we recite it or not is moot. It doesn't make any difference. The truths are still there. The disciples asked Jesus, you know, Rabbi, teach us to pray. He said, okay, all right, I will. You've seen me pray, but I, okay, pray like this. And then he went through it, right? Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. You know, your kingdom come, the, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And here's this beautiful formula. You know, give us, our, give us this day our daily bread. We can pray for God providing for us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. He forgives us and protect us against the evil one. And if you ever are uncertain how to guide your prayer life, just do that. I do this all the time because I, get, I, I draw blanks. And the truth is, the older I get, the more blanks I draw. And that's, that, you know, funny or not, that's true. And I know you agree with me, half of you. The other half will, after I'm gone, you'll agree. Oh, I remember those words. You, know. you pray for God's provision with thanksgiving. Debbie and I began in 1973, not married, married in 72, but began in 73 in Little Minko, Oklahoma. 
had zero money. I mean, we really were. <clears throat> you know, it's neither here nor there. It's, it's, but the point is, we were in a, a little nine, I was in a parsonage. Thank God for that. Or would have been in a tent. In a parsonage, 900 square feet. Um, and as I reflect back on those years, that first year of preaching, we had a roof over our heads, we had a car in the driveway, we had food on the table, and we had clothes to wear. Do you know what we have today? A roof over our heads, a car in the driveway, food on the table, and clothes to wear. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, give us this day our daily bread. It's a legitimate prayer. Forgive us our debts and protect us from evil. So Paul writes, have no anxiety. How do you do that? Well, you do that by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving in your heart. The more grateful you are, the more your prayers ascend to heaven. Everything revolves around thanksgiving. We talk about tithing and giving and testing God. The truth is, if we ever give to, be, to receive, I don't think it'll go any further than from us to the plate. The whole point of us giving of ourselves and our income and all that God has provided us is because God has provided it and everything we have belongs to him. And if you don't get that, you really don't understand that relationship that the Lord wants you to get. I have a lot of faults, and I'm sure you do too, but ingratitude is not one of mine. We could get up here and I could list, I could give you a litany of wit's sins. Thank you that I don't have to. But you would not see ingratitude. Not to pat me on the back, I mean, but I'm telling you, ingratitude is the soul's enemy. It robs it of merit, it deprives it of grace, it is the soul's enemy. So Paul says, here's what you do, Philippi, church, here's what you do. You want to have no anxiety, you don't want any worries? All right, here you go. Pray with a good heart and say, thank you, Lord. In all circumstances, in everything, let your requests be made known. And if you do that, then the peace of God, very quickly, what is the peace of God? And I want to remind us all that according to Scripture, peace, true peace, shalom, right? True peace is not the cessation of a storm. In fact, I would argue that you discovering God's grace is only possible in the storm. In the complete calm, when things are going perfect, it's always God in the third person. He, I'm you know, talking to Tim, I, he, you know. But when you put it in the second person, now I've shifted to you. Have you ever noticed that in the 23rd Psalm? This is how God's peace can completely cover us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me beside still waters. Uh, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, up to that point, the 23rd Psalm, the first three verses, 
every personal pronoun is my or I, so it's personal. And, and Patterson did a wonderful, shared a wonderful lesson a couple of weeks ago on the 23rd Psalm. Might have been last Sunday, I really don't know. I think it was last Sunday. Anyway, so the my, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall. That's all through the entire psalm. But the psalmist does shift tense from addressing God. In the very beginning, when things are, when, when, when the Lord is our shepherd and he leads us in green pastures and restores our soul and, and you know, leads us in the paths of righteousness, it's always him, him, him. So it's, it's as if I'm talking to Tim or Justice, this brother I just met, or Tim or these two Tims. Yeah? It, oh, it's as if I'm saying, well, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, here's the reason why. But the moment I step into the valley of the shadow of death, I really don't need Tim or Justice or Debbie or anyone. All I need is God. And without it, it's extremely fearful. Without him, it is scary and fearful, and I feel like I'm 72 going on 12. It's extremely uncomfortable. And so the psalmist, David, who wrote the psalm, David says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. He shifted because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You provide a table in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And then he shifts again to Tim. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you want to know how to really have no worries and no anxieties, if you want to learn how to let go and let God, that is the only way. You do exactly what the Lord asks you to do. You pray with, with humility, and you give God the glory and praise and gratitude and say thank you, and then you go to bed. And the peace of God in the midst of the storm will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And you will always be in the midst of a storm one way or the other. We all will. One of the two favorite moments for me during worship is when we break bread La familia de Dios, when we break bread, one family, you know, una familia. When we break bread, I feel close to each of you. The other moment is when the family comes together for prayer. Amen. Speaking of which, I'd love for my fellow shepherds to make their way to the front for prayer. So, church, just a reminder to us all. I'm very sorry that you have anxieties and worries. Me too, for that matter. I read a, I looked at a book the other year. Actually, the title caught my interest. The title was, Wait to Worry. <laughs> and the thesis of the book was, 95% of everything we are worried about never even takes place. Wait to worry. 
I would say worry zero. Have be, do not be anxious about anything, but with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known before God. And the peace, God's presence, that's the definition of peace in Scripture. It's not the cessation of the storm. It's discovering God in the midst of the storm. Walking through the valley of the shadow of death, hand in hand. That's why you fear no evil. And all of God's people, I pray, echoed back. Amen. Let us stand and sing.